Hello everybody. You're listening to Lion's Milk on WNY.org. And tonight we have a very special show for you. We're focusing on one record label from Minneapolis, an independent record label called Secret Stash Records. And uh, we will do an interview with the, one of the founding members, Eric Foss. We're very honored to have him on the show, even though it's a phone interview. We will do that interview around, uh, I think in half an hour or so. But just a brief presentation of the record label. They're mostly reissuing stuff from around the world as a compilation. But they also started uh, issuing stuff from Minneapolis. But it's mostly focused on Latin America and Africa. So that's why we're starting with some Afro-funk. And until we do the interview, we'll continue to play Afro-funk because it's also one of my favorite genres that I love to listen. But yes, we'll go on half an hour with many groups, many bands. I will introduce them all later on. But right now, on the background, is Farewell to Ibusa from Afro-funk. The release title, Body Music. Again, this is WNY.org.
Town Get up a dig the jump You do the funky work You do the mash potato popcorn
WNYUFM, New York. Welcome back. Hey, how are you? Frat, where were you? I was getting some drinks because we talk a lot, our mouths get dry very fast. <laughs> Now, especially for this show, since we're gonna ask quite a lot of questions, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I did my research. Um, Eric has been on the show with our friends Aubrey and Bruch. Insane Radio. Insane Radio from Villa Bota. Yeah. Villa Bota used to have a jacuzzi. That's how I found him. <laughs> and, uh, some online radio with the with the jacuzzi, Belgium chicks, you know, going into jacuzzi. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we're going into the online radio business, you know. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, but they get rid of the um, jacuzzi in case you're wondering. It was getting t- too intimate, maybe. I think that was like. Just uh, some pictures of some <laughs> someone else's jacuzzi. Try to pull down insane radio, maybe. But right now, um, what are we doing is uh, playing some Afrofunk to you from Secret Stash. On the background is George Dankwa, and he's from Ghana. And from the from the 70s, he has been a very prominent and important musician. And. <laughs> Do you hear the chicks behind the song? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why I picked this one. It was interesting. I never heard this in an Afrofunk song. But yeah, the the prior song was also from George Dankwa. Was called Araba Soso Bo Nizema, and this this one on the background is called Just for a Moment. And they they're both from the album Hot and Jumpy. That's right. Yeah, that's why <laughs> I figured. And prior to these two songs. We heard from Nikangas, Jungle Beat, from the album Destruction, which was also very good. And the second song was from Peter King, from the album African Dialects. This song was also issued in the uh, compilation album Nigeria 70, Lagos Jump. I actually heard this before, but uh, Secret Stash comp- compiled the whole album together and reissued it a couple of years ago. Um, That's what we like, no? Yeah. The whole album, not just. <laughs> yeah. And and coming up is a new reissue from him actually, uh, which will be issued in January, I think. The album will be co- is called Omo Leva, and the title will be Ko Dara. Um, do we have some time to talk about some stuff, or are we just for a minute? Minute, yeah. I mean, what time are we calling Eric? Because gonna call him sh- after four songs. I mean, we should have like an intro before we call him. We should talk about the record yeah. company. Yeah, yeah, that's that's when we introduced. Like, why are we calling the guy? <laughs> like, why? You know, why? Why you, Eric? But yeah. All right, then enjoy the selection so far, and uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes.
Alright, we're back with Lion's Milk on WNY.org. And we're gonna call Eric very soon now. Yeah, the song... What, what is the song's name? Papple's Black Dog. Or, no, Papay's Black oh, Dog. I, th- I thought it was... The dog is coming. <laughs> But it's, it's a very nice song. So how did we hear about Secret Stash first? <clears throat> well, I remember the time you brought one uh, record and I had that record already that I brought <laughs> from somewhere so else. We, we, we that had, was the Iranian funk. We had two Persian, Persian funk in funk, our hands. Yeah. And that was cool. It's, we still have two of those. <laughs> yeah, we, didn't, we, we, we should, we should give that as a gift to someone or something. I don't know. Anyways, and then we, we have the Peruvian funk. Yeah. Um, Black and Peru, the Black yeah, Peru one. Yeah, and did you notice uh, most of the records seems to have the co- color and, and the see-through? Uh, yeah, the, 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 the Black Peru is white. Yeah, whitish. <laughs> it's not totally white. It, it looks like a marble. And Pers- Persian is red, yeah. see-through. Yeah. Anyways, it's cool. It's it's cool, and I I found out online that um, they did some videos of the. Like the Peruvian funk one, uh, they would call Eric at the same time. Yeah, Peruvian funk. I first heard about it through uh, internet, of course, and then I saw some videos that these guys go to Peru and dig and dig, and then um, I guess went home, searched for the people, and got masterings and and the paperwork, and then reissued them. And at the time, at the time, I mean, of course, we have bunch of records that are reissued because either it's very expensive to buy the original copies or it's you don't know about them before it's reissued so I always you know everybody respects and a reissue with a lot of effort into it and God knows there's so many records that they wanted to reissue they probably couldn't find the masters or something else you know you got to think about those stuff is he, is he on the line? Let me see. Eric, can you hear us? Yeah, totally. Perfect. How are you? Very good. How are you? We're very good. Hope you're also enjoying the selection we have. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> of course you do, I think. Uh, I mean, Afrofunk, I think you also have a special connection to it, right? Yeah. Um, that record was produced by... Um, my friend Tyrone Patterson, uh-huh. and it's just been really fun getting to know him. Uh, he's he's a Jamaican gentleman. Uh-huh. Um, he's I think he's in his mid seventies at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that one in particular has been a lot of fun. Like Tyrone's become a very good friend of mine, and he did that record, and then he helped us get. Uh, he actually had the master for and got us to. Peter King to license oh, yeah. African dialect. Yeah, you're, you're excited nice. to, to issue his next album right now, right? The Ovalunga? What was it called? Uh, Ovalua, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And that one is actually not owned by Peter. That's owned by, actually, believe it or not, another label in Jamaica. Oh, wow. um, so, so, yeah, but that's, that's kind of how all that happened. It was like, I met Tyrone, and then Tyrone introduced me to Peter, and then through our research, I talked to Peter. It was like, oh, well, there's this label in Jamaica that owns these other records. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of fun the way that it's all interconnected. But yeah, a lot of that goes back to Tyrone. That's that's very interesting because, I mean, my, my favorite stuff has been Afro-funk. 
It's very interesting that the band is also called Afrofunk as, as well as the genre, the buddy music yeah. one I'm talking about. Um, but it has been very interesting to see all your... I think you have over five, five African compilations now. I, I think even eight or something on the yeah, release so titles. Yeah, we got uh, two Frimpong records, Vis-a-Vis, Tazzy, Afrofunk, and Tangas. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, there's another one. Which one has been your favorite so far? Ooh, that's a, oh, and then, well, and then the two the two Peter King records as well. Yeah. So I think that's eight. Um, my favorite African record we've done is probably the Cape Frimpong uh, Blue album, Blue or Black. Those are those are kind of tied, but those records are amazing. But um, I'm also like on the background right now. The porno grooves, you know, the sound um, of the adult 70s, I'm guessing, the 70s yeah. adult films. How did that come about? I think you, you worked with another label to issue that, or I think that was your first yeah, work, the, right? The first batch of releases was all kind of one-stop shop for us. It was, mm-hmm. it was, there was a guy in town that was kind of able to set up all those deals. Um, right. Really not a, not a super interesting story there, to be honest, <laughs> uh, but it, it definitely helped us... Uh, jump right in I, I think it's still a dope album great really but right now I'm, I'm looking and it's what is really interesting to me that through Minneapolis you sort of achieved to create this world reissue uh, albums to yourself I mean how is it possible to handle all of these uh, records from Minneapolis how could you create this vibe from all from there How is it working from okay. there? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just I don't, I don't, I don't think that there's really anything too difficult about being based here. In fact, I think uh, we have a really, really active uh, music scene here, and people have just been incredibly supportive locally. People That- are. I don't know how often people mm-hmm. are just saying like, "Oh man, we're so lucky to have something like this here." Yeah. So I, I think that uh, we have a very strong support system. And we have great public and community radio, um, which is super helpful. They they latch on to this stuff, but you're not going to get commercial radio to yeah, yeah. latch on to reissues of Nigerian high life records. You know what I mean? But uh, the public and community stations here, everyone's just super jacked about it. So it, I think it, I think it actually is a pretty good environment for doing this sort of thing. No, of course. I mean, just just because there's also a lot of gospel funk and coming out of there as well but when I'm, when I'm thinking of other labels that are you know pretty competitive in Europe too like Finders Keepers and Jasmine I think they're also digging all the time for this uh, you know world psych funk issues and I mean I'm just thinking of the Persian funk album you have did you did, were there any instance, instances where you had to sort of race for for the same bands from the 70s or did anything alike happened where you kind of crossed roads or something so it happens it happens all the time really <laughs> every single time it's 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 almost it's almost a rarity that um, that we put something out where someone else hasn't at least been sniffing around yeah. you know what I mean uh, and sometimes it gets sometimes it gets really bad you're really getting extremely competitive with other labels you know the best thing is to just try and be um Uh, as peaceful about it and, and just communicate openly with the labels that are doing similar stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple labels for a while that we would kind of write back and forth and just 
when we kind of decided on a record or we're getting close to something, just drop a line to some of the labels and say, hey, just want to let you know we're doing this so that we're not like getting in each other's way. But, but still, uh, I mean, it, it helps a lot because, I mean, at least for me, the way I found out about Turkish psych funk was all about from those reissues that were done through Germany, England, and it kind of became popular like that. Even those reissues became more popular than the original releases. I mean, how, how do you feel about that? And are you also still uh, digging for more world uh, funk psych stuff? I mean, I was also looking for your Soviet funk. I, you had two volumes of that. I couldn't get a hold of it online, neither anywhere, oh, anywhere yeah. else. What happened to that album also? And just that question too, the one before. Yeah, so that record's out of print, and that's goes back to one of those uh, deals we did right away in the beginning, and it's just it's just out of print at this point, yeah. and we don't we don't have distribution rights to it anymore. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely think that uh, there's a certain amount of momentum with all this stuff, and it and it takes um, you know kind of a community of of labels to kind of make it happen. Yeah, if that, if that makes sense. So like, someone will start reissuing whatever you know psych, psych rock records from from Iran or from Afghanistan mm-hmm. and that'll create some buzz about it and then it, it just opens up the door for someone to come in and do more of that okay what about Turkey have you have you find yourself digging any stuff from there uh, there's actually a dude in town whose wife is Turkish and he goes every year and buys records and he actually uh Give me a, a CD of some stuff to check out, and it's it's pretty hip. Um, it all comes down to being able to license stuff properly, which is easier said than done. Nice, Eric. Hey, this is Frog Man. How are you? Good, man. Good. Um, man, I've been uh, a huge fan of your record company, and um. We've been doing some research to what to talk about tonight, and I came across my friends in in Bruges that you you were in their show like a couple of years ago. Insane Radio. Yeah, with Benny in Insane Radio from Villa Botam. You remember that? Oh, you know those guys? Of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> we drank raku, you know, like with each other, and in Istanbul. Yeah. He's very nice. He's very nice, like and suspiciously a father of two kids. <laughs> <laughs> He looks very nice. Uh, anyways, though, I remember uh, I listening to that uh, show today. Um, uh, you were talking about you were just talking about Persian um, funk LP coming out, and you were so excited about it, you know. And I know how how successful it was because uh, I've been to fairs in Utrecht, you know, those record fairs, and a bunch of record stores, even in Bel- uh, Bruges, uh, where the Villa Bota is, um, and. Uh, Actually, we have two of those records because Sarjan bought one in New York, and then <laughs> I I bought I had bought in a one in a Holland, and now okay. you know like that's how, and it, it was it was so nice to see see you very excited about that album coming out. You know, like years ago you were like very excited about it coming out, and in a like a couple of years ago when I was in college, I was I found out about this reissue thing. You know, and I couldn't believe myself. Like there is this industry, there is this hardworking, uh, good music-loving people going through records that the people have forgotten or like there's no more copies to to distribute the music and then those people are hardworkingly 
getting the rights, the masters, remastering them, you know, putting a lot of process for a very little amount of money. And um, like, how did when you started this, you know, how was your expectations about like how to go about this, you know, like you were a how as I recall a reissue only company, and then now. You, I assume you found a good band in Minnesota, like who's doing Afrofunk. Black Sea Market. Black Sea Market. Black Market Press. Sorry. Um, yeah. How, how is this? How is this unfolding in you? Like, you, it's been how many years? Two, three years. Three years, right now, right? Uh, four years, I think. Oh, four. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. And yeah. How, how do you feel about this? You know, like now you're in the clear. It's it's you're well off. It's obvious you're a household name in a bunch of record com- uh, record stores in around the world. And uh, how do you feel about this, man? As a person who's very, who, who's very like envying what you do, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, for me, I um, I'd already been in the business in the industry for oh shoot, I don't know, six years maybe, uh, probably, probably about six years when I started. Uh, when I started Secret Stash, I'd already been in the business for like six years, consulting other labels on their yeah. uh, manufacturing and sales and distribution and marketing and and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think I had uh, I had some pretty realistic expectations going into it, you know, and I've been able to uh, draw on my experiences to to build this label into something. Uh, whereas there's a, there's a lot of people that get into this stuff that don't that don't have that. They're just kind of music fanatics that just decide to kind of jump into it. You know what I mean? And, and they're very condescending about their choice of music, like very little information in the covers, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I mean, it's it's been a fun four years. Um, you know, a couple things I swore I would never do. The, the big thing I swore I would never do is uh, record new music and distribute new music. I, I would just I just wanted to be reissue only. And in fact, when we started, we were vinyl only as well. We only yeah. started doing CDs maybe like a year and a half ago, uh, or about maybe two years ago. Um, which was I was real conflicted about it. I really didn't want to do CDs, but I kind of got to the point where I was. I realized like with Japan, right? I was reading something music, online with Japan. Sort of uncovering to. with as many people as possible. Yeah. Um, we have to have it on CDs. You know what I mean? So um, that's been good because it's kind of opened up. I don't know the, the listening experience to more people. Uh, but yeah, the other thing was that, like I said, I always swore I would never record uh, any any new bands uh which is obviously what we're doing now so oh man i would swear i'd never do this and it, it's a little nerve-wracking um but you know we're kind of dipping our toe in the pool just starting with a lot of seven inches and everything we're doing is kind of directly built on top of our established business so we've established a name over four years of say putting out uh good african records so to yeah. record and Afrobeat band and put out their record, it kind of makes sense, you know what I mean? I'm not just like randomly, hey, I'm going to record some rock band or something and just throw <laughs> yeah. it out. Like It's still so totally connected to what we do. And the soul stuff we're recording is even more of a literal connection because we're recording artists that were on the Twin Cities Funk and Soul Com. Yeah. So, um, like, that's how we met Sunny Knight. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we're going to uh, play two songs from them later on. Oh, cool, yeah. So, Sunny Knight, um, he was in the... When we put out that record, Twin Cities Funk and Soul, we did a big release party uh, in Minneapolis and sort of, like, 
celebrate, we got all the musicians that were still around in town. I actually flew some in who had moved. There was someone who came from Texas, some from Ohio, some from California. Mm-hmm. And we put on this big soul review of all music from the 60s soul scene here. Um, and we, you know, charted out all the music and then hired all the players. And it, it, there was, I think in total, there was 27 musicians that kind of came in and out for that party. Yeah. And it really just sort of took off. Like, uh, one of the local newspapers named it the best concert of the year. And we just kept getting all these other gig offers. So what was supposed to be a one-off thing ended up being a ton of gigs. Um, and that's sort of how we, that's what moved us into the new music thing. It was like, okay, everybody wants more of this, particularly locally. And we, we can't give them anymore. Like we pretty much tapped out, uh, the 60s and 70s uh, soul music that was in town. Yeah. There's, there's really not a whole lot more that's not on that compilation, if I'm being honest. Like, there's a few more things we might do on 7-inch at some point, reissue. But we just realized, like, people want more, and we can't give them more unless we start creating. You know what I mean? So, um, Sonny was uh, part of the reformed Valdons, and we just he and I just hit it off really well. Someone that I consider to be a really good friend, and he's a ton of fun to work with. So, developing a band around him, I basically went out and um, just through friends in town, put together a band of younger guys that could work real quick in the studio and would stay real true to the style. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and I actually played drums in that band. Oh, and that band's called, that band's called the <laughs> Lakers, and we've That's done. We put out a Valdons, like a new Valdons recording. That's the Lakers on there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Sunny Night stuff. Uh, in January, we're going to release um, a Wanda Davis 7-inch, which is the Lakers on there. Mm-hmm. We recorded some stuff with Jackie Harris that uh, will probably come out next year. But that's all, that's like our house band, you know what I mean? Kind of modeled after like uh, Booker T and the MGs or the Funk yeah. Brothers, stuff like that. Uh, do, do you have a usual place where the bands play in Minneapolis? Like a usual venue? Yeah. Um... We play, uh, we have a monthly night at a, a club called Ice House in mm-hmm. South Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, so we're there, you know, right now, Sunny Night and the Lakers are doing um, a weekly, a Wednesday night residency at um, the Eagles Club, which is like a like a VFW. It's kind of, honestly, it's kind of a little dive bar. They haven't, like, changed the stage and stuff since it looks probably since like the mid-70s. Nice. It's a super, yeah. super cool room <laughs> to be playing sort of, you know, throwback soul music in. Yeah. Um, and that's fun because we, we played so many really nice venues that we decided we want to do something a little grittier for once, you know? Are, are you um, searching for, by the way, any gospel funk bands you want to issue? Like a new band? I know you really like um, gospel funk. I, I would. I, I have a... I have a real big sweet spot for gospel i actually yeah <laughs> um, when i kind of i don't know when i really started working in the industry i i kind of fell into gospel music as like a niche and worked for multiple gospel labels and i've sold a lot of gospel records over the years yeah for, uh, for that reason by the way i i really find similar uh, with the secret stash records with dapton records over here in brooklyn do you have any connections no, yeah dapton no. records afrofunk You know, they have Budos Band, very funky. They have Charles yes, Bradley. Yes, but they they said, I'm sorry, Eric. Maybe you should answer. But I I know for a fact that Dapptones had said, you know, we're just recreating a sound. 
you know? No, no, the new bands they have, I'm saying. I still. Still. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't know any of those guys, uh, but I love a lot of those records. I'm a huge Antibolus fan in particular. Yeah, the I mean, Antibolus is like one of the greatest bands mm-hmm. out there right now. I think they're just amazing. Um, and yeah, I mean, Charles Bradley, we actually just opened for Lee Fields, um, which is... I guess not Daptone, what is that, Truth and Soul, but mm-hmm. all those guys are pretty interconnected, it seems. Um, but yeah, Sunday Night in the Lakers just opened for Lee Fields a, a few weeks ago, which was a ton of fun. Um, so no, there's there's no connection there other than, you know, uh, we just got a ton of respect for them. They make really good records. Yeah. But what about, by the way, distribution... In terms of, are you planning? How how is your connection with iTunes at all? Do you have any connection, or do you or do you want to continue with vinyls only and giving out the MP3 uh, codes and couple of CDs? What what do you think about? Oh, some of, some of our stuff is on iTunes already. Oh, okay. Like um, uh, like Persian Funk, for example, is up. Mm-hmm. Um, the well, I just signed a new digital distribution agreement actually with a company called Believe. In, uh, in the UK. So we have access to pretty much every digital service provider in the world. Uh, it really comes down to licensing the licensing rights. Do we have uh, the right to di- uh, digitally distribute things? And every deal is a little different, uh, but I think it's something that we're going to probably focus on a little more mm-hmm. uh, in 2014. Again, just trying to make the music more available to more people. Yeah. Um, You know, one thing I'm not nuts about is uh, services like Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> because what what they pay in royalties is just insulting. And, really? Uh, like, I, I, iTunes is really easy for us to wrap our heads around, and I think we'll see more of that. I don't know if we'll be doing much with people like Spotify or RDO. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I think those platforms have a, a long ways to go. They're, they're still in their infancy, you know. Uh, where, where do you press your records, by the way? Uh, in Nashville at United Record Pressing. The colored uh, record store. Yeah, Eric, <laughs> man. Eric, we, we have, like, all the records that we have of your company is always fun. It's <laughs> all the girls are in love with them. Like, uh, they're see-through or, like, they're colorful. The Peru one, oh, my God, it was so nice. It was white and, like, had black spots in them. Yeah, I think just yeah, looked yeah. like marble, I, I remember. We did, um, I think my favorite was the limited edition pressing of the Los Deseos record. Mm. It was like, uh, when they made the vinyl, it's like this 50-50 mix of uh, red and blue, and it comes out to this super, super dark purple. It almost looks black unless you pull it up to a light. And then the way they do it is um, they, they have to stop the press, and they put this stack of white pellets on, just like if you just imagine like a little pyramid of white pellets. Wow. You put that on top of the um, the big pile of goo that's going to be the record, that kind of dark purple. And they, when they press it in, those pellets melt in, and it created these uh, really cool spots all over the record. And it, it sort of looked like uh, looking into the sky and seeing stars. It seems and very organic. Called, uh, <laughs> so organic, the, the, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and the name of the band, Los Desteos, means the stars. And the record uh, is called Constellation, and the cover was all like stars and stuff. But tied in really well, and that that was a super cool uh, limited edition pressing that we did. That was probably my favorite one. That's very nice, man. I think you got a signature kind of thing going over there. And I have another question. 
Um, I was interested in this um, YouTube video that I saw a year ago or so. Uh, now they're selling in Germany this, uh, you know, vinyl cutters that you can do on your computer or whatever. Have you ever looked into it as a, as a you know record company a executive? Or shall I say? Of I don't the know. Hey, what do you what do you think about those? Like, do, do they think? Do you think that will uh, be a factor for record companies in the future? It would. It's just going to come down to quality, and I don't I don't know that the quality is there yet. Um, we've we've looked at it. In fact, there's machines from like the 30s and 40s and 50s that do that. Um, and we actually looked at buying something to do super limited run stuff, um, but just never really pulled the trigger on anything like that. But I could see it being really cool if you could make like really limited runs. Like, hey, we're going to make 20 copies of this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's there's a lot of stuff that we want to put out that um, sometimes you just have to determine like, yeah, this isn't really worth putting out. Enough people aren't going to uh, be anticipating it or, or going to care. And it's just disappointing when, when you kind of have to make those decisions based on economics. It'd be really cool to have a solution for doing really, 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 really short run stuff. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine like the movie guys when the DVD rip technology came out, they'd be like panicking. But the music industry people are, everyone is laid back and very nice about it. You know, consumers wouldn't buy some fake stuff instead of the real thing. You know, yeah. and record companies won't go out of the way to do something different just because some people you know cutting records in their house that's why yeah and I mean it, in regards to piracy specifically it's just something that I don't it's something that we don't really even think about like if someone is gonna you know you're talking about like ripping DVDs or if someone's gonna illegally download our music from some unauthorized site whatever it's just it's gonna happen and it's not really worth, you know, wasting any time on. Like, I'm more, I'm more focused on uh, how do I get in touch with people who are buying records than wasting my time worrying about people who aren't. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah, that's yes. makes sense. I have another uh, question about running the business, man. Um, this, I mean, um, what you do, like, you go after this record, and I, I wrote, uh, I read in an article about you that a lot of people um, send you guys because they're such good fans they're like oh you should check out this and uh, I think some of them make it to do a like distribution am I wrong like some of the African stuff you published um, so when we did uh, the Visa V record we were contacted by just like a fan of the label who was like hey man uh, I know you're doing these K Frimpong records uh, you should check out this vis-a-vis thing. And we actually already like have that record and we're working on it. But then he's like, hey, have you heard this? And he sent us MP3s of uh, this really, really, really rare and really cool 45 by vis-a-vis. So we were like, oh, man, well, let's, we'll go back to uh, the people we're licensing it from and cut a deal to include that 45. And um, we ended up working off of, so we had never even heard the record, but this fan shared it with us. We ended up using, I think we used his copy of it as the master. We made a digitized <laughs> copy of it and then nice. sent it off to be all cleaned up and stuff in the studio. Um, so yeah, every once in a while, that one for sure. Um, the Pazzy one was from a, a, a blogger called Coleman Razor. 
which is if you're into African music, it is such an awesome, awesome, awesome <laughs> blog. Um, he he had contacted me a while ago, and we we just started talking, and he's like, hey, you know, we could do a record together, and he already he knew Pazzy personally, and uh, helped set up the license and everything. So yeah, every once in a while, stuff comes our way. Like we're totally open to that. You know, we definitely don't approach it like. If it's not our idea, we don't care. Like we're we're totally open to that. That shows the community, I guess. Then, right? Yeah, I think you did a very good job of creating good fans because you. It's very transparent uh, with the company, record company. That's you guys do a job you guys love, and don't worry about anything other than good music. Yeah, and I mean, I think our theory has kind of always been to be. Community is probably a good word with it, you know, to be as open as possible with everything we do. Mm -hmm. That's why there's so many YouTube videos where we're just explaining little things or like, hey, today the test pressings for this came in. It's just letting people share in that experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, the other thing we do is all, all our records are assembled at our office and we throw uh, we throw a party uh, and then have people come down and put the records in the jackets and the jackets in the dust bag, <laughs> sticker them up, and everybody gets... Free beer and pizza, and then a free copy of the limited edition. I want to come. Very <laughs> nice, man. That's very nice. Oh yeah, it, it, it's a ton of fun. People love it. You know, people are like coming <laughs> and volunteering to some of our records. At the end of the night, they're leaving and they're thanking me. They're like, "Oh, thank you so much." And I'm like, "What are you talking about, man? You just you just did all this work for us, you know?" We'll bring so some lines. Really Marco. like participating in, in the community aspect of it. Yeah, if we're ever in uh, over where you are, we. I, ho I hope we're welcomed as well. We would love to assemble some regular. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be awesome, man. We'll, we'll bring great. some special Turkish alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'd be very nice. Yeah. Um, and also, I have one last question about business, man. I, I'm, if I'm boring, Let's you tell th me. Think about the future as well. Think about, ask a question related to the future. Yeah, but um, I have to ask this question, man. This masters, I think it really comes to when you're doing a reissue, it really comes down to the if you can get the masters or not. Am I wrong? Um, because well, mm, yes and no. So ultimately, as important or more important is the licensing rights. That we don't put anything out that's not fully licensed, and you know we we pay the right people who own it. Sometimes it's the artist, sometimes it's not. Um, like for instance, I I heard a Willie Walker song in the background off the Twin Cities Funk and Soul compilation. That that stuff was actually owned by Ace Records in the UK. And, you know, although I know Willie and he's a friend of mine and I've played music with him now over the last year, uh, I still have to pay those uh, license fees to the, um, the label in the UK that owns that stuff. Um, so that's kind of the thing. It's like, if, just if you find the tapes, that's kind of not good enough. Like, we have to definitely make sure that everything is mastered. But there's a lot of records, a ton of reissues and compilations out there where there are no master tapes and people are working from rips of vinyl records. Wow. I could, I, it's not really for me to say which ones are and aren't, but I, I could re, I could give you a list sometime that would probably <laughs> blow your mind. Of really? Like, Whoa, all this we stuff have no idea. From, from vinyl rips. So it's, it's tough to say uh, what percentage. You know, I don't know if it's like maybe half of what we do is from masters and half is from tapes or uh, half is from, uh, from records. Uh, you know, we just signed a deal to uh, start mining the Wonderful catalog from Chicago, which is a bunch of great 60s and 70s soul music. Uh, and like for that stuff, we drove a van down to Chicago and picked up hundreds and hundreds of tapes and brought them up. And they're sitting in my office and we've got 
a studio in our office now and an engineer who's going to do all those tape transfers. So, like, all that stuff uh, will be sourced from those tapes. Um, but particularly with African records, I mean, you might get a hold of the artist and be able to cut a deal with them, but, but the odds of someone best. having these masters is, like, incredibly wow. But is there a significant quality difference, would you say? Um... I mean, how good the masters could be, you know? Like sometimes From you, the just, 70s, you yeah. just hear the bad quality, and you you know, like they didn't record it any better. Like you're not, you <laughs> haven't lost quality, even if it's a rip from a vinyl. I feel like yeah, some, yeah. It, it, so our preference would always be to work from a clean master tape, uh, but sometimes you get a tape that's all, you know, had tape shed issues and this and that, and tapes in rough shape, and then you'd actually be better off using a record. Like there have been times where we've gotten a tape and we still end up using a record because the tape is in such rough shape. So it just, it, it really depends. Uh, but the ideal scenario is just to have a clean tape. Mm -hmm. And and what about when you record the Black Market Brass or Sunny Night and the Lakers and other brands? Where do you so record all, it? Do all the studio? stuff we record is done directly to tape. There's no uh, computers used in the process. And our, our method of recording, like, we'll put the whole band in one room and use basically the least amount of tracks and, and microphones possible. And we just find that it's like, we're getting the sound we want and it's super easy and we don't sit there and agonize over every little thing. So we'll record, usually the drums, uh, we'll use two microphones, one that kind of floats Uh, right in front of me and then one that's mm -hmm. on the ground kind of pointing up at the snare drum but those are summed down to one channel on the board okay. so you can't like mix them or blend them like that's that's already done when it hits the tape it's just down to one channel uh, a channel for bass uh, we've toyed around with direct and miking stuff um, really happy with the direct sounds recently so a channel for bass a channel for guitar a channel for the organ and then one microphone for the horns and they just stand around that mic, and we'll record all that live in one room at the same time. And then the singer will do, like, scratch vocals usually, just so it's easier to get through the arrangement, and mm -hmm. then we'll toss that out, and they'll come in and do a proper vocal take without the band. Um, we just recorded uh, De Robe Dance Band is another new uh, African music band that we have uh, okay. at the label, and we had 13 guys in one small room recording live <laughs> and it's just you can't I don't know I just think you kind of can't beat that like all that bleed and stuff is part of what sounds so great to me yeah well, that's uh, wonderful and then again all that stuff is just uh, cut right to tape mm -hmm. well yeah, th this is all great and yeah, thank you for all the material by the way you sent us um, oh yeah totally um, so you have to tell us first if you want any songs we you, you want us to play Just before we end the show. And we are all gonna play Secret Stash, no? We're not gonna play anything else? No, no, no. Only Secret Stash. Yes. And one yeah. last question uh, to you um, before that. In terms of the future, um, do you think you'll be working with new bands and creating stuff or still go on with reissuing and dwelling on more on the world, world psych funk <laughs> stuff? So, um, the plan, yeah. particularly for 2014, is to. Uh, continue to do both and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll be Wonderful. focused a little bit more on producing the new records I have you know production credit on all that stuff and play in the bands and help write the songs and, and do all that um, so we'll continue to do that um, and then 
at the same time, we'll, we'll continue to do reissues. All that stuff from the wonderful catalog, it, it might seriously end up being like eight, eight different compilations plus mm. one or two uh, full album reissues. So, I mean, we've got, we've got a year's worth of releases just sitting right there. Um, we'll continue to do African stuff. Uh, it does really well for us, and the people that buy our records seem to respond really, really well to yeah. the uh, Nigerian and Ghanaian uh, stuff that we do. Yeah, we're going to kind of continue to do both, honestly. Um, we'll have, the plan is to put out a new Sunny Night in the Lakers full-length album um, around March. Mm-hmm. But still, you should so, come come down to Turkey to, to dig some of the Turkish funk stuff. We'll put you in touch with uh, people who might help you out. With those. Oh, that'd be super cool. We'd be <laughs> yeah, way, if, way if, into doing If that. you ever find a record, I'll, I promise to help you get the masters. Yeah, we'll, we'll help you with that. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm in. <laughs> yes. That's perfect. So, a yes. song you want us to play before we, we end the interview? Yeah, man. I'd say... Um, I'd say spin one of those uh, Sunday night sides. Okay. Well, I was going to play both Sugar Man and Hey Girl. I love them both. Oh, please. <laughs> I already have them like in a couple of minutes, I think. Okay, um, man. Did I, did, I, did I send you the uh, the Valdons, uh 45? I think, I think you so. did, yeah. Which one you want me to play from that one? Play uh, What You Gonna Do. That's the, the slower two, the B side. All right. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Okay, Eric. It's always nice to talk to a drummer. <laughs> yeah. We right on. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Very nice to have you on the show. And awesome. Thanks a lot for having me. I, yes. I really appreciate it, guys. Yes, and a uh, count on us on having your name uh, go well in Istanbul as well as in New York. Exactly. <laughs> cool, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah. yeah. Thanks a lot, Eric. Take care. Peace. Bye.
three or four songs coming in right now. It's from my favorite compilation Secret Stash has done. It's the Persian Funk compilation, so enjoy. You're listening to WNY.org, Lion's Milk. Se vamos a 
Nice was that guy, man. Eric. Eric Foss. You want to move into Minneapolis? <laughs> no, <laughs> but I, I would party. be down for that assembly parties, man. Free beer, free pizza, and then you get to be part of record making, you know? Assembly. That's nice. It's the best. Yeah. I think I think it's always nice to talk to a drummer, man, you know? German? A drummer. <laughs> A German man. A drummer is always, I think, is the most normal guy in a band ever. Even if it's a punk band or reggae, the drummer knows what's up. You know, <laughs> you never go wrong with a drummer. With the music or with the audience, both. What do you mean with the audience? Like, what is he aware of? <laughs> he's aware of everything. He's like, I don't know. It's just <laughs> if you talk to the guitar player, he's out. You know, he's, he's done. If you talk to the bass player. He, he has a bunch of complexes, like some issues, you know, Hysterical. I don't want to talk about, I don't know, no, just like bass player issues. Oh, I'm not being noticed, but I'm the most important band <laughs> member. But drummer gets, he's, he's cool, you know. Anyways, back. Eric Foss, like joking aside, um, Secret Stash is an important company. And yeah, buy those records, you know. <laughs> That's what you well. do from now on. <laughs> Well, there's actually no call to action in our radio's policy. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> Listen to them, and you can decide. No, I mean, I'm just saying don't, you don't have to buy. Just support the good music by <laughs> no, listening and... Or do a radio show with them. Basically, he just sends you, like, some couple of <laughs> albums. Yeah, now we have great music in our library. <laughs> yeah, don't even buy the records, man. <laughs> you know, we have the, we have the MP3s or <laughs> did he say MP3s or A AIFFs? MP3s. Okay. Don't get sad. Secret Stash is cool though. Yeah. It's a cool name. It's very surprising. They're from. I mean, I had no idea they were from Mini uh, Minneapolis. Huh? Not from Minnesota. It, it was. Not just that, it was very surprising. <laughs> it was very surprising because those, I mean, those guys from Minneapolis, you know, they go over and like compete with all the all the European guys, you know, who have connections with the record fairs, all the Japanese guys. Yeah. These guys are true, you know, like 
all they have is good music. Well, they're also quite specific, I think. They're more focused on Afro-punk and, you know, music from Latin America. So, in a way, Persian funk has been the only world psych or psych funk from, you know, Asia or anywhere else. Yeah. Like Finders Keepers, for example, is all over. It's like they harass every country, you know? Yeah, but they don't have an identity like Secret Stash, you know? Yeah. I think Secret Stash has, has a bold identity. I think that's what's up, you know? Yeah. Alright, we have uh, nine minutes to go. One more song from Persian Funk album. And after we finish with Free Angela.
can't convict her because she bought a gun just listening to lion's milk at wnyu yes goodbye <laughs> across the expanse of your galaxy we are spread it <laughs>